Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. Welcome to the Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan. It's Tuesday, October 15th, and I'm happy to be in Pasadena, California, talking to my sister Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. Hi, Julie. Hey, Leanne. How are you today? Yeah, you know, I'm good. You know what I realize? I- we, Julie and I record our shows in our respective closets, or as someone said last week on our Facebook page, which made me laugh, Jewel, cast in the pods in our success, in our, in our respective closets. And, um, I have, I have to go give a book talk right after this to the lovely Shakespeare club here in Pasadena. So before we started the show, I realized, wait, all my computer stuff is in here. I won't, not going to be able to get changed. I actually had to lay my clothes out. <laughs> Well, I think that's a good habit to have, Leanne. I'm in my closet. Is there anything I can lend you, you know, a scarf, uh, an accessory, a piece of jewelry, whatever you need? Oh, boy. You know, speaking of habits, Julie, later later on in the show, we are going to talk about the five habits that super successful people have before 8 a.m., the things that super successful people do before 8 a.m. We can just I'm, compare and contrast. I'm very interested to find out what they do. Uh, that's that's good, Leanne. This is going to be a good show. We're going to learn some things. Yeah. We, you have some picks and pans. We're going to do a news roundup. We're going to talk about uh, breaking news in the Maddie McCann case. Julie, you got to fill me in because I missed the, that story this morning on Good Morning America. And then, um, as promised, I uh, got to tell you about the strongly worded letter I wrote to the New York Times. Oh, good. Oh, good. All right. But first, I wanted to give you um, just a little gap year update, Julie. So um, as you know, my 18-year-old son, Brooks, is taking a year off between high school and college. And And, uh, my uh, godson. He's my godson. Yeah, he is your godson. I've been been doing a fine job, don't you think, Liam? Yes, actually, really a good job. Just enough not not overwhelming, not too many questions of a religious nature. He's appreciated that. <laughs> but just enough, just enough guidance. And you care about him, and many people do. So um, so he decided to take this year off for a variety of reasons. He did defer at a university. He's planning on going to school next year. Some of it was athletic. Some of it was just figuring out what his priorities were. Um, he was totally fine with it. I was the one having the issues, right? So it was very hard for me in the beginning to get used to, particularly to get used to just having another body around the house. Um, because any body, Leanne, it's, it's a big, you know, it's a big guy body, you know, (laughs) right. Yeah. And I say this in the nicest way. It's a big Sometimes sweaty body too, yeah. a sweaty, stinky body, yeah. uh, and and it's a body that requires a lot of food that somebody has to cook and prepare and shop for. Am, am I not right? All these things are true. Yeah, yes. and all these things have proven to be to be very true. Like he seems to be eating more than ever, and as I have to keep saying to him, "There's no meal plan at my house." <laughs> so. <laughs> I will admit the first couple of weeks were really rough. It was particularly acute when 
everybody was posting on their Facebook page about, oh, look at my kids starting school. And I'd look at my kids sitting on the couch. Those were particularly tough weeks. Well, you were taking a path less, you know, you were on the path less taken. And that's, that's, that's true. You know, you know, main, the main current is going one way, but you guys were doing something different, but it's not that unusual for kids around the world to do this land. You know, it's just here in the U S people, people don't do it as much. Yes. And they're suspicious people. As one woman said to me, Oh, how nice it is that you now have a name for kids that just don't know know what they want to do, which I thought was kind of mean. (laughs) People are mean. That's all. So I know. And that Shouldn't was at the, the competition be over by now? Really? Like, I mean, I was in line at the grocery store. I did I need that? To, no, you don't. Do not talk to her again. <gasps> so Ooh. uh so I just uh but I have to say, over a couple of things happened. He got a job. He got a very good job, a job that is exhausting and full time. He is a sure. valet at a high end hotel here in the Los Angeles area. So he he takes his job with a you know tremendous amount of responsibility. I have to say he goes to work on time. He works hard. They treat them fairly well there because they're the first people that the guests meet. They actually pay a lot of attention to the behavior of the valet and the expectations are very high and. God knows he loves driving the cars because he's a huge car fan. So, like, he was out of his mind the other day. I got a tweet that said, or no, I got a text that said, uh, I drove two Ferraris today. I mean, that's that's a pretty great job for an 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. And um, so over a couple of weeks, we've reached sort of a detente, you know. <laughs> we've We've kind of found our stride. And the funny thing is, Julie, it is almost like having a four-year-old boy in the house again. <laughs> because, what, what, what do you mean? Well, I... Because, you know, for four years in high school, they start pulling away, right? The last two years, you barely see them. Their senior year, they're gone. And particularly the summer after graduation, they're just totally unreachable. They're 18. You can't tell them anything, you know? They, they are so consumed by their friends and their social life. And he had a girlfriend this summer. I barely saw him. But now that all of his friends are gone, he has very limited social options uh, and nothing to do when he's not working. I mean, he is working on a bunch of stuff, but it's like he's a four-year-old boy again. You remember how sweet four-year-old boys were? Yeah, yeah they're nice. Four and five. That's It's, it's a golden age. It yeah. is. You know, yeah. remember, and they love their moms. That's, they love, like, they're so happy when you make them pancakes or you take them someplace. <laughs> They don't have any friends. They'd rather spend the time with you. This is what I've noticed. It's like when I was in Dallas at your house, I got a text from him like, I miss you, mom. Oh. <laughs> and then, you know, Leanne, if he was at college, he would never have sent that to I, I know he wouldn't. I know. I mean, and I don't want people to think it's weird. Like it's not a trip back in time because he can drive and he has a job and stuff like that. But it's just an unexpected reconnection. And I was talking to, I have another friend whose son is also taking a gap year. He, he is taking a year off to pursue his dream to be a professional surfer. So... Okay. All right. Okay. That's what she said. If that's what you want to do, okay. And that, that means, uh, you know, that he gets up every morning at quarter of five and drives to the waves about 45 minutes away from our house and surfs from like 6am to 9am. That's like the golden surf hour. And, and 
so she said she's experiencing exactly the same thing. Yeah. We we were walking the other day and she got a call from her son like, "Mom, when are you going to come home so we can put up the Halloween decorations?" That's really nice. And we both started howling. It's like, well, I oh think, my I gosh. Think hearing this, people are going to say, hey, you know, I would like to have my son's, you know, the sweet four-year-old boy back. Maybe <laughs> I should do more gap years all the way around. Well, I have to say, when we made the decision and we went for it, I, I knew in my heart we would think this was a good idea. But I, but I knew day to day that it was going to be a challenge. And you know, it is a challenge, uh, but I think it is ultimately the right decision. And, and yesterday he had a, a kid come over, um, home on a, home on a fall break, uh, is at school in another state, a good friend of his from high school who really does not like the college he picked, you know, oh. and already looking to transfer. And I, it's a kid that I, he was clearly like his second or third choice and he knew it. And I thought like, you know, he would have been a good candidate for a gap year just take a year off do something interesting reapply to your first choice school because it's just a lot of money to send kids off to a college if they're not a hundred percent absolutely you really want them focused on it but Leon, it how is his room you know and the and the state of order or disorder in his room does that bug you at all or have you reached a detente about like you know, whether you nag him to clean up his room or not. Is that an issue? Oh, there's nagging. Yeah, because he's really messy. And he, uh, unlike my younger son who likes to be holed up in his room, Brooks actually likes to live on our couch in our fantastic giant couch in the TV room, yes. which we just had recovered because we were waiting for all of Brooks's dirty friends to go off to college before, <laughs> before we recovered it. I had like eight teenage boys sitting on my yeah. couch eating for four years. It wasn't worth it. But yeah, um, no so, amount of Febreze is going to get that stink out. That's right. So I've had to impose a lot of discipline. I have like a three o'clock cleanup hour. I'm like, okay, at three o'clock, you clean everything up off this couch. You take it, the dishes and everything. It's still a daily reminder with him. He's okay. just, he does not pick up after himself. And, uh, but he is doing his own laundry and there is a lot of, there are many things that he actually does. And, um, but he is not a neat kid. So that is driving me crazy. So we're working on that. (laughs) We're working on that. But I think at this point, it's not like he doesn't know he's supposed to pick up his room. It's that he just doesn't care. So I can't make him care, but all in all. All in all, I think things are going pretty well. I mean, the, last week we went out to lunch together, and then we went to look at some camera gear. <laughs> last night we went shopping in Old Town together. And, <laughs> and this my, is really tender and nice. I'm really, really happy for you guys. That's great. My other son, uh, Colin, said, oh, Brooks is your roommate, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, I'm just saying... You know, it is one of the unexpected side. Uh, it, it is it's an unexpected consequence of the gap year, and I'm enjoying it. All right. Well, I got good. That's a good report, Leanne. Uh, that's good to hear. Okay. Speaking of uh, teenagers, a story has erupted uh, in the social media sphere this week about a about a. a a high school senior uh, mm-hmm. from North Andover, Mass. Erin Cox is her name. And uh, she got a call from a friend of hers last week who was really drunk at a party and called Erin and said, can you come pick me up? 
And so Aaron went right over, picked her up, and happened to get sort of swept up just as the police arrived. Right. So, yeah. So uh, because her high school has a zero tolerance policy for alcohol, Aaron, who is an honor student, a volleyball player and captain of the team, has been suspended for five days. She's lost her captainship of the volleyball team. And, you know, it seems and people are, I think, justifiably outraged that this was way too serious a punishment for someone who was just doing the right thing, basically preventing her drunk friend from driving home. Isn't this what every adult has? Isn't this what every adult tells teenagers? Like, you know, don't get behind the wheel. You know, call a friend, call me. You know, there'll be no consequences. Just don't drive the car, right? Isn't that what we always say? You know, you get the free ride home. There won't be any questions about it. Uh, I know her parents are suing the school board over this land that they are, you know, that she had. Um, the family now has legal representation because this is truly an injustice. I mean, it really is. I mean, that this girl did the right thing. She went to help her friend. OK, and and the adults that are around this situation, no matter what their policy is, they should they should temper their policy and really reflect the fact that this girl, she made a good judgment. She made a good judgment. She went to help her friends. You and know so- what, though? That's the problem with these zero tolerance policies. Kids get swept up in things like this all the time. I mean, kindergartners get suspended for, you know, making their cheese sandwich look like a gun. I mean, they, you yeah. know, I mean, that's right. the problem right. with zero tolerance policies. Right. So it, this is really crazy. But I think there is such a national outcry over, you know, over what has happened to this girl that that I think that the you know whoever's in charge here, whether it's the school or the school board, um, I'm sure town officials, state officials are going to get involved in this. That they're going to have to just walk this back because that it just sends the wrong message. Here's I mean, why I don't worry about Aaron Cox though, Julie, because this is golden for college applications. <laughs> I mean, she is set. I mean, this is the college essay of all college essays. I'm sorry her parents are suing because this is a fantastic opportunity for her to just cruise in early action somewhere. No, I, you know, it is, but it isn't. It's traumatic for her. You I know? know. I mean, how, I mean, it's, you know, here it is that, that she has done the right thing. She's made the right choices in high school you know, she's an honor student. She's, you know, an athlete. It's bad to lose the captaincy of a team. That I know. that actually seems worse than the suspension because that's hard earned, you know? Yeah. No, I, I just, you know, I just, and it just sends the wrong message. Every, every kid that sees this story is going to say, see, see, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go help my friends. Right. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call my friends and get my friends in trouble. I'll just, you know, I'll just drive home drunk. Yeah, I'll be fine. Yeah. No, I know. It is, it is a tragedy. It is just a crazy miscarriage of overzealous, overzealous policies. That's why, I don't know, the zero tolerance policies, they're just fraught with these sort of inconsistencies. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I'm watching that story though, Leanne, because I, I'm, I'm looking for the reversal. I'm looking for some adult, mature adult in that school district to just walk back this thing. Hey, I, I want to, there's another story that's back in the news. And this is one that it's incredible. It's the story of Madeline McCann. Now, do you remember her? She is the a British girl that six years ago was disappeared or was kidnapped 
while her family was vacationing in Portugal. And this was this tragic situation where the parents had put the kids to bed in a hotel room or a condo, and they were downstairs and down the the street a little in a cafe having dinner with their friends. You know, they they thought that was sort of safe enough. And while they were at dinner, dinner, Madeline was taken. And, you know, this made worldwide headlines. Um, and for a long time, the parents were under suspicion that, you know, they thought they had done it. You know, there was a lot of um, finger pointing back and forth about what the Portugal, Portuguese police did or did not do. But for a long time, they were looking for a man with dark hair that they, you know, that because they interviewed everyone that was around this condo area. But now a new detective has looked through all of the evidence six years after this fact. And the parents have never given up looking for Madeline and, you know, making appeals uh, for her. And they've done a lot of computer generations of what she would look like, you know, now six years older. Um, And her parents have, you know, just been, you know, tireless in, in trying to find her. And they have this new British detective that's looked through the materials. And he now believes that this was a planned abduction, you know, that it wasn't some kind of random act but that there, it really was a planned abduction, and they and that they may have been looking for the wrong person all this time, and that he's now put out these um, pictures of a new of a new person that was in the general area. There is at least one witness report that you know they saw this man with blonde hair and a little girl about the same time that um, that Madeline went missing, and so. They have put these pictures out of this a person of interest, and now they've received over you know three hundred new leads looking for Madeline McCann. You know, uh, it's it's one of these stories. It's a little a little bit like the Elizabeth Smart story, where right. wouldn't it be a miracle if they found this child? Well, even, what's even, shocking uh, to me is that with the scrutiny this case got that there's still new evidence coming out, that all it takes is one detective to look through the evidence. I, I would have thought by now, a, a, you know, a book would have come out that would have probed this. It just was so surprising to me that this was back in the news with new evidence. And yeah, people are calling. They recognize that guy. Yeah. I mean, that, so that is, you know, I mean, I don't know where, we don't know where it will lead. I mean, they're not, they're just describing him as a person of interest, but there was so much, there was so much confusion and hype and finger pointing. And, and again, for a long time, they felt like maybe the parents had done it. You right. know, the parents were really sus- suspects. And they, you know, they, there was a lot of uh, circumstantial evidence with what was in their car or the trunk of their car. So, so there, they were, you know, a lot of the um, initial interest was really going in a different direction. So maybe it's taken you know, it's, you know, six years after the fact, you know, sort of fresh eyes looking at it, you know, a sort of a different perspective, uh, not trying to come to the same conclusions that, that they're looking at this. So, you know, it's just the agony of thinking of losing your child that way. Yeah. And just thinking about, you know, that child every single day and just wondering, you know, for, you know, for all families where they have missing children, it's that agony. Just, I was, really just so struck with that and uh you know of you know the trauma that the families go through and you know and just 
the poor decision that they made that night as parents about what was considered safe or not. You know, they were on holiday and, right. you know, and they'll never, you know, they'll never be able to undo that mistake. So, but let's hope that something good can come from that. Hey, the other international story I want to talk about this week is um, Rihanna. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know we're going to be a little surprised about this. Lately, yeah. but you usually don't tackle pop music unless it's Justin Timberlake. Yes, unless unless it's my guy JT. But here's the thing: Rihanna is was vacationing, or somehow she was in Thailand. You know, this is right. my former home. I lived in Bangkok for five years, and Rihanna was down in Phuket, which is which is one of the the populated areas on the beach, the beach areas. They're you know it's very nice, and she's there, and she sent out a tweet the other night about how she had been in this bar in Phuket. And she didn't know whether she was drunk or dreaming, but there was a girl, it was a girly bar, and there was a girl that was pulling out of her hoo-ha, I'll just say that, um, ping pong balls, a turtle, and a small bird, okay? Are are you following me, Liam? I'm I'm stunned that you've just said the word hoo-ha on our podcast. Yes. Yes, that coming, that's right, coming out of her hoo-ha, she's, this is, this is the little bar act that she has done. And so Rihanna sends this out as a tweet, okay? And it's, you know, because she must have a zillion followers. Uh, right. And so now the government, the Thai government gets involved because they're upset that this is, this looks bad for Thailand, you know, talking about these raunchy bars that they have in Thailand, where they have bar girls that do this trick. Um, And uh, so they now have arrested the man that owns the bar because he was running it illegally and they've arrested the dancers that were in the bar. So there, and you know, you would say, okay, well, that's the end of the story. And I, you know, it's not like I am in favor of girly bars where they have dancers that can pull turtles out of their hoo-ha. I just want to go on record. (laughs) I think that almost goes without saying, Julie. (laughs) Okay. Okay. but here's the other cultural side of it. I looked this up too. Um, Rihanna's worth $90 million. Okay. That's what she's worth. So she sends out one tweet, tweet and the unexpected conf, uh, you know, consequent of it, consequence of that is now this poor bar owner or manager and these dancers that probably make like, you know, I don't know, $100 a month. Right. They are now in jail. Okay, they are never getting out of jail or, you know, they don't have money for, you know, in, you know, for lawyers or things like that. And their lives are sort of totally destroyed and ruined. Okay, it's not like maybe they had the best lives to begin with. But I mean, it's just it's one of these things where when you have someone like Rihanna, who is such a powerful media person and how she's just like you know, ruin these people's lives. I think she should, I think she should take care of them. I really do. I think she should, she should put up the money to help these people get out of jail and she should put up the money to get them into some other kind of work. I mean, you have a deeper understanding of the larger picture of this issue than Rihanna does. Rihanna appears to spend most of her time in a bikini. Uh, So I, and she has sort of traveled the world making a lot of odd statements like this, performing for people who are dictators and things like that. She has a few of those on her resume. So you're right, Julie. I think she had no idea what kind of hornet's nest she was stepping into. And then she just walks away from it. And she could do a lot more by, right, stepping up and trying to help these people. 
Yeah, yeah, because most of these bar girls, how they even get into this sex business is because they, you know, they are from such poor families that their fa- families couldn't afford them. And so they have been traded to the, into the sex trade. So, um, so their, you know, their family might get like a, a cow or a TV or something. I mean, it is, you, you just don't understand the poverty and, and for her to come in and do this and then just walk away and, uh, you know, and there, you know, this tweet is getting a lot of notoriety because of the content of it, but, but she's ruined these people's lives. And I just, and I think, I think Rihanna, I'm calling you out. I think you just, you gotta, you gotta go back to Phuket. You gotta get these people out of jail and you gotta help them. That's what I think. You know, I believe that she probably had no idea what the consequences would be when she sent the tweet again, because she doesn't seem to think a lot about her actions. But now that she knows you're right. I think it's an opportunity for her to step up. Okay. So that's it. All right, Julie, strong statement there. Some strong, strong, Strong statements. Well done. All right. We're going to take a break here at Satellite Sisters. Stay with us when we come back. It's the five things super successful people do before 8 a.m. Compare and contrast. Stay with us. are the Satellite Sisters. As always, thanks for joining us. We want to thank everybody who nominated us for a podcast award. October 15th is the last day for nominations. If you're interested, you can find a link at our Facebook page. We'll let you know if we uh, if we get a nod in the People's Choice category. But regardless, thanks for everybody who did nominate us. You can always find us at Facebook. We have an open group, the Satellite Sisters. And then we have a, a listener page. Uh, we have two pages. I know it's confusing, but someday soon it will all be very clear. And <laughs> I hope so, Leanne, because I'm confused. You know, here's the thing. In the open group, everybody can post and chit-chat. On the actual official page, that's where we can do giveaways and things like that. Yes. We haven't done any giveaways yet, uh, but they're coming. They're coming, yeah. people. I promise. I have a few up my sleeve. Uh, I just have uh, not been around to actually um, execute them, but they're coming. So um, we have two two Facebook pages. That's the confusion. Uh, and then you can find us at Sat Sisters. At Sat Sisters is our Twitter feed. All right, Julie. Here we go. The five things that super successful people do before eight a.m. Okay, I have a pen and paper, Leon, because I want to be a super successful person. Okay, so. I'm thinking if I start doing these things, who knows what's going to happen. All right. According to Inc. Magazine, they surveyed a whole bunch of people who are super successful. Uh, Number one thing they do before 8 a.m., they exercise. Okay. Well, I I, I do that. That makes sense. I'm a morning person, and if I'm going to exercise, it's going to be in the morning. Okay. Well, they did say most successful people are morning people, by the way. Uh, Just in general, that's a common trait of super successful people. But they exercise, and it's mainly because... you you are much more consistent if you exercise in the morning with your exercise than if you wait till the end of the day. So yeah, you don't have to be that successful to figure that out, you know? Yeah, no, (laughs) you know, but I just hate exercising in the morning. I hate it. I've never done it. I, 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 yeah, I just mm -mm, don't like it. Uh, so that's my problem. (laughs) All right, Liam. Okay. Okay. Map out your day is the second thing they do. All right. So that's putting down a to-do list, looking at your schedule, making sure that your day is all mapped out, even scheduling your meals, Julie, and healthy snacks. Map out your day. Do you do that? 
Uh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> I really like to, you know, maybe, you know, I, I, I like to have a, a plan of what I'm going to do all every day. And my husband asked me what we're going to have for dinner every morning. So, um, <laughs> so I got to have an answer to that. So yes, I have some idea of both the food and uh, the general level of activities. How okay, about you? that's good. All right, you're two for two, Julie. I usually I usually have a list, although I have to say sometimes it punts. I, I punt on it once the kids get up. All right, number three, I do this, eat a healthy breakfast. Yes. Breakfast yeah. eater? Okay, me yeah. too. Uh, that seems obvious, but uh, it can just boost your spirits. And it just, uh, again, study after study says it is what sort of keeps your weight down and uh, keeps you healthy. So there you go. But number, see, go yeah. ahead worried because I only have two more items. Okay. And I've, <laughs> and I'm not super successful. So, okay. so well, I, all right, well, well, let's this may be the deal breaker. Okay. Visualization. Okay. Visualization. The morning is the perfect time to spend quiet time inside your mind, meditating or visualizing. Take a moment to visualize the day ahead of you, focusing on the successes you will have. Even mm-hmm. just a minute of visualization and positive thinking can help improve your mood and outlook on your workload for the day. How about that? Visualization. Do you do any of that? None of that. <laughs> Not one bit. Okay. Okay. This makes me feel better about me because I like to lie in bed in the morning <laughs> and I like that period between waking up and getting out of bed to visualize uh-huh. stuff. That actually is when I do my best visualization for a scene that I have to write or a show I have to produce. I actually do this, Julie. You do. <laughs> okay. Mean, because you're not exercising. I'm not exercising. You're visualizing. Yeah. Okay. I, I, so I do this. And then number five, this is actually really good advice that I never thought. Make your day top heavy. And what this means is uh, that there's always one item on your to-do list that you don't want to do, right? It's like yeah. the one odious task and you yeah. procrastinate and you procrastinate. Well, apparently yeah. super successful people do not do that, Julie. They do it first thing. Remember our mom used to say first things first? Yes. They get up, they make the day top heavy after they've exercised, visualized, you know, planned out their day and had a good breakfast. They get to work and they do the most odious task on their to-do list. Oh, see that, that makes a big difference. Yeah, I do that. No, I, 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 I worry about it. I churn about it. I procrastinate. I push it back. Uh, you know, yeah. It ruins the whole day. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. That's the deal breaker then for you. You were, see? Okay. Well, I, this is very helpful information. So, what I, mean, I can't believe is that coffee is not on the list. I mean. Hi, I coffee. Uh, watching last night's episode of The Good Wife—that's not on the list. <laughs> reading, reading the paper slowly while you're drinking coffee and watching last night's episode of The Good Wife—none of those are on the list, Julie. Oh, huh. oh okay. Right. Well, we have the list now, Leon. So I think uh, I think we let's let's try to let's try to do it for a week. See if we can be super successful. For oh, you week. know what? That would be a good little experiment. Do you okay. actually want to try that or you just say, I do want to try that. I do want to try that. Yes. Okay. Top heavy visualize. I got the first three down. So I, if I, if I add those points four and five, uh, let's see what happens. But right. you got to up an exercise now. The exercise is going to be hard for me and the doing okay. the odious task. I'll start tomorrow. 
<laughs> yeah, it's too late to start today. All right, let's <laughs> let's do this as an experiment and okay. play along with this at home. I'll post a link to this uh, this at Forbes. This is an article from Forbes, so I'll post a link at the Satellite Sisters page and the the website. And so, if you want to try along with this, be su- super successful for one week. Yes. All right. Let's try it, Leon. I, I, okay. Okay. I'm okay. We'll put that on our to do list. We start tomorrow. We don't have to start today. No. It's too tomorrow. Late. Too late for today. Okay. All right. Well, you know, it's time in the show for um, picks and pans, Leon. My picks and pans of the week. And I am so happy to tell you that this week I have two picks, no pans. Oh, good. <laughs> two picks, no pants. I, I, there was nothing that I wanted to really dump on. So I, I just decided <laughs> that I'm going to go with two picks. The first pick, it's a little off the beaten path, but I think if you happen to be in Maine this week you or in the next month, you should go see this. This is in the Farnsworth Art Museum in Rockland, Maine. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who that is. It's kind of a famous museum. Yes, that's what I thought it was, Leon. But guess what they're having? They're having an exhibit. It's a Wizard of Oz exhibit. Oh. 100, 107 pieces. And including Dorothy's dress, the ruby slippers, flying monkeys. How great is that? I mean, I, it's still such a wonderful movie. And wouldn't you love to go to a museum and just see a whole exhibit of satellite, uh, of uh, Wizard of Oz? Things? Yes. Yeah, that actually sounds like a good road trip, too. I mean, people yeah. love that movie. And actually, even when you said the original Ruby Slippers, I kind of got chills. Yes. I mean, I know there are a lot of copies out there. And every little girl under the age of five has Ruby Slippers now. But they're not the Ruby Slippers. You know, I mean, that's that's it would be really special. This is time of year. You can still go see the leaves. Uh, it's a very nice time of year to go visit Maine. So that's going on at the Farnsworth Art Museum in Rockland, Maine. 107 different items. So so that seems like you'd have a very nice time doing that. So that's <laughs> that's my pick. That's fantastic. We do have some listen. We have some listeners in Maine, and we certainly have listeners in the Boston area. Not not out of reach of Rockland. Again, maybe people are planning little fall trips, a little fall holiday. Go go to the Farnsworth Art Museum. So that is my first pick of the week. My second pick of the week, I happened to find at um, Whole Foods. I was in the checkout line, and uh, I'm buying a lot of food that I don't want to eat, such as flaxseed and, and kale. But we won't go into that. Is this but, part? Is this part of the inflammation plan? Yes, this is part of the inflammation. Mm-hmm. We're still inflamed, plan, so we're still doing things <laughs> about it. Okay, but there, there in the checkout line was a magazine. It caught my eye. The name of the magazine is called Modern Dog. Modern Dog, and this is the lifestyle magazine for modern dogs and their companions. And Jennifer Love Hewitt is on the cover with her rescue dog, Duke. Okay. Well, Leon, I just, I just had to have that magazine. Okay. (laughs) Because of course the first question that I think every dog owner has to ask themselves are, do you have a modern dog? I mean, Leon, how about your dog? No, I I would say we have like an old school bad dog. (laughs) I mean, she's not bad. She just is not suitable for, you know, public outings. She just, she's good at home and she's good on the ranch where she goes when we're not at home. That's it. No, we don't have a modern dog. Okay. Well, I I wasn't sure. I, I was kind of thinking my dog was not too modern, but I wasn't certain. But so I started to look at the editorial content of this magazine. Um, And, you know, here are some of the, here are some of the big articles this, um, this month. Smile, how to harness the power of positivity for your dog. 
For your dog? For your dog. Power of positivity. Okay, Leanne, here's another big editorial page. They had, what's your dog's favorite unusual snack or topper? (laughs) Topper. Okay, I'm not doing much topping of the kibble. Okay. (laughs) I mean, and and some of the answers were Greek yogurt or cooked fish or or green beans. Are you giving your dog green beans? No. Apparently, modern dogs get green beans, Leanne. That's a very popular answer. Okay. Okay. Here's another poll that they're doing in Modern Dog Magazine in the October issue is, do you think dog tricks are demeaning? (laughs) No. (laughs) I love them. So I don't think I'm a modern dog owner. (laughs) Or how about the article, big article, you know, a multi-page spread on managing personality disorders in dogs? Oh, (laughs) Oh, Leon, here's one that I know that where your dog has flunked it. Did you realize that 87% of modern dog readers vacation with their dogs? Oh, yeah. No. See, you don't vacation with no. your dog. Do you? No. See, we try to take our dog on vacation. So, um, and that now, one of the, again, one of the other big articles in here um, that might be of some interest to you is, are dogs watching too much TV? <laughs> <laughs> now, this just made me think of Liz's dog, Ferris, who I, I, I believe Ferris is a modern dog. Ferris is a modern. He's the most modern of all our dogs. Yep. No doubt. Ferris yep. is a modern dog. But here's what they found out, that now with the flat screen, high definition TVs, dogs are paying more attention to what's going on on the screen than ever before. <laughs> I didn't know this because I don't really watch TV with my dog, with my old Old dog. Oh, classic dog. You and have a classic dog. Yes. I have a classic dog. Yes. Even the barefoot Contessa has a recipe in this magazine, Leanne. <laughs> Peanut butter dog biscuits. Okay. I mean, it, it, it's, and then my favorite article, they had one about bed sharing. Okay. <laughs> oh, was, well, it is it, controversial. So, yes. So, but, I, but the magazine, you should pick one up if you're around because it is great to, it, they have, they have a great photo essay on dogs with cute collars and they have all kinds of expensive dog equipment in here as you would expect but it it really is a it's a it's a magazine for dog lovers Leon and um I really enjoyed reading it it's very it's got a rich edge of editorial content great pictures uh, I mean it kind of looks like I I don't even in style magazine only for a dog you know so um Oh, they have cool DIY projects for your dog. My dog is all thumbs. She is not she's not that handy with the glue gun. Just, she's, okay. You know, Julie, every magazine is a good magazine as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Well, that is my pick for the week. I just thought that, well, you know, you'd, we'd all enjoy it. And that's a question for all the Satellite Sister listeners. Uh, and I think you should ask that. Do you have a modern dog? Yes or no? So, Well, apropos of that, uh, I, I'm going off our, off our script here. I, I read about a new restaurant in Paris this week, Julie. And it's, yes. it, sound, it was in a very chic arrondissement. And Ooh. they said it had a very simple, modern um, menu. Uh, and that people were flocking to the cafe. And here was the catch. Uh, not just for the food or the modern surroundings or the arrondissement, but the restaurant was called Café des Chats. And oh. yes, while you were eating, there oh. are 20 two zero cats oh. available. 
available for you to have at your table so you can get them. That is the worst. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. I know. I mean, that is like the last animal I'd want to eat with. It's a cat. And yeah. they, you know, they're cats, rescue cats that they picked for their gentle nature. And they have not been declawed because that's illegal in France. Ooh. And the lines are out the to out the door, apparently, to dine at Cafe des Chats, where you can have modern food and a modern cat sitting on your lap. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> they are. We need to send some modern dogs over there to take care of them. Test, yeah. Well, they're testing this as a possible franchise, Julie. <laughs> Get in early, Leanne. You could be an early investor. Oh, I, mean, I know. I oh. couldn't even, I could barely get through the article. I had to force myself. I was like, oh, I mean, just, I know we're all highly allergic to cats. Yes. So, and I know people love their cats. But I don't want to go to any restaurant where animals are crawling all over me. Like, That's I don't. Terrible. That's, That's terrible. Eh, no, thanks. All right. Finally, uh, family tradition. I upheld two family traditions this week, Julie. So I wanted to let you know about the first one. You know, our father spent a good portion of his, the last 20 years of his life writing to the New York Times, yes. <laughs> angry letters that yes. were never published about a variety of situations. Uh, and a or, of topics. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah, he covered a lot of ground, um, editorial responses to editorials, responses to front page articles. So a couple of weeks ago, the design magazine from the New York Times came out and there was this, you know how we have looked at the New York Times when they quote spot a trend and we right. think, oh, this is like two people who work in, work at the New York Times and live in Brooklyn. This is their trend, right? Oh, okay. So we're all supposed to believe that this is a real trend. So in this one, it was an article on Pasadena, my hometown. And Except, you are an expert on Pasadena. Yes. I'm an enthusiast, Julie. Uh, I've become an expert through a lot of writing and, and getting out and about now. Uh, but there are people that have lived here for generations. And this article was not, it was about cool places in Pasadena, but as curated by two hipsters who lived in Silver Lake. So the whole tone of the article was like, oh, yeah, finally, Pasadena has some places where hipsters want to go. <laughs> and I just, I lost it. Like, ooh, cutting edge. Like, oh, great. Now we have pork pie hat stores. So <laughs> stamp of approval. And it made me nuts. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, Pasadena is not interested in the hipster steel of, seal of approval. Like, they have been here for a 100 years or more, you know, which is old in California. And they don't care if you like, you know, the bagels over on this side of town. It just, it infuriated me that they went to two people who didn't even live here to decide what was cool about Pasadena. So I did write a strongly worded letter to the New York Times, Julie, and I was thinking of our dad when I did it. <laughs> Good for you, Leanne. So what did you what did you say? In well, I, I had to make the point that, like, you know, while it's great that, you know, people wearing uh, flats and hats like to come over here now, um, we've had the Huntington Gardens in effect for 100 years. It was sort of the first garden doing sustainability. All right. <laughs> so I don't know. Right. It may okay. not be a chic boutique, but they're like doing sustainable native planting over there for a hundred years. Uh, there was sort of a snide comment in the article about mm, home to numerous PhDs. Okay. Numerous. 
thousands of PhDs between thousands between Caltech and the Jet Propulsion Lab. Not only are there thousands of PhDs, there are 31 living Nobel laureates that live in Pasadena. 31. You go, Liam. You go. You go, so, you go. I was like, numerous PhDs. How about the people that landed the rover on Mars? I don't know. Is that edgy enough for you? Hipsters from Silver Lake? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yeah. It was strongly worded. I felt great. Now I know why Dad did it. It's very cathartic. But I, don't, I haven't seen it in the New York Times no, yet. I don't suspect there will be any follow-up from the NYT. I just know I felt better. Okay, and, good. And then finally, you know, uh, how our mom was a huge decorator for the holidays, right? And I've been very sad lately. I know you have too. It's coming up on the year anniversary of our mom's death. And so this weekend, I had to kind of force myself to go down in my basement and get out all my fall stuff and so much of it my mom had given me for various Thanksgivings. Well, for every Thanksgiving <laughs> she had given me. She, like, she would usually start like in December of the, you know, uh, sending you, oh, well, it's for Leon. It's for Leon. I, I believe I had to ship you stuff at, at points. I know. I mean, I, I'm actually huh. amazed at like the number of tubs I have in my basement labeled fall floral. It's quite a few tubs, Julie. And, you know, I just, last year, this was when our mom was diagnosed and very sick and, and I, I didn't, we didn't do anything for Thanksgiving. And then I didn't even really take any Christmas decorations out. And so I was very hesitant, but I'm so glad I did. I went down there. I opened up my fall florals. I hadn't been looking at them. I got the wreaths and the squirrels and the pomegranates and the sheaths of wheat. And I got the the pumpkin candles and I even had you know she would dry fall leaves and then spray paint them with glitter and I have all you know I am very actually good about putting stuff away I'm pretty organized about all that stuff so even though she did that like five or six years ago I still have decorative fall leaves because we don't actually have any in Southern California so we have to import them so I had all those and I got those out and I I have I have like four or five fall wreaths that she has given me. So there are wreaths up on every spare wall in my house, on the front door, the back door, over the mantle. I felt great, Julie. I am so glad I did it because I was really super sad last week. And I just, I thought I'm going to do this and I hope I get through it. And it was a great experience. Oh, good. That's good. Okay. You're giving me the confidence to go do that. Yeah, go, you know, you'll be surprised, right? You'll be surprised. I mean, it's, it's a happy sad. Okay. That's good. It's a happy sad. That's what I would say about that. All right. I got to go give this speech. Uh, (laughs) Okay. So starting tomorrow. Okay. It's of super successful people. We're on it, Leanne. All right. Let's, let's review very quickly. Okay. So we're going to, um, I have to scroll up. Okay, we're going to exercise. Yes. We're going to map out our day. Okay. Correct. Including food. What Including we're food, early hours, reflection, prioritizing activities, plan a 10-minute break after a stressful meeting for a quick walk around the block or a moment of meditation at your desk. Okay. All right. Okay. Number three, you're going to eat a healthy breakfast. All right. We mm-hmm. can do that. Number four, you are going to visualize, Julie. Visualize, visualize, yes. Just a, just a minute of visualization and positive thinking. It not only helps your dog, it can help you. And then, <laughs> and then five, make your day top heavy so that the tasks on your to-do list get progressively easier. So do okay. the most odious task in the morning when you're energized, you're positive, you visualized, you've had a healthy breakfast. Okay, okay. you got it? 
I got it. Lydia. Okay, this got is it. a good plan. All right, it's a good test. All right, uh, I got to get going. I got to go give that speech. Have a great day, Jewel. Okay, you too. All right, good luck. Thanks. Don't forget, call your satellite sister. Thank you.